we've done some short take the points book clubs and, and reviews of books, but this is going to be probably the most extensive Ryan spill it. My co-host has been uh, saving his breath throughout this episode. Cause he's got a lot to say. Um, we will be reading a new article from the November, 2020 edition of the Atlantic magazine. The article is called the mad, mad world of niche sports among Ivy league obsessed parents. Um, and then the subhead is where the desperation of late-stage meritocracy is so strong you can smell it. This is by Ruth S. Barrett. And uh, I read this earlier, and it's one of the greatest articles I've ever read, especially since um, it deals with uh, sports and kind of like, I guess, what you would call like less known or less popular sports. And parents in Fairfield County, Connecticut, which is like the richest, one of the richest counties in the entire country pushing their kids into these niche sports such as lacrosse squash fencing etc in order to get them scholarships or get them into better colleges Um, a lot of it's not even about the scholarship because these people don't need money a lot of it's about the status and about just getting that spot in dartmouth or brown or princeton so uh, sticker, sticker schools, I call those. The parents just want to put the sticker on the car. So when they pull into Rite Aid, everyone goes, oh, wow, their kid goes to Yale. They must be great parents. Right. Um, sticker schools. So so what we're going to do, Ryan, you have some uh, expertise in this area, um, which I, I want you to talk about in a minute. But I'm going to read some excerpts. It's a really long article, and I suggest for comic value alone, all of you go and read this. But uh, I'm just, I just highlighted some uh, excerpts of what I think are the best or the most telling parts. I'll read this first one, which is kind of an introduction. And then, um, you know, I want you to respond to each sort of segment, you know, your thoughts. But, you know, after I read this first one, why don't you give also, um, you know, why you are the expert to talk about this subject? you know, which we talked about uh, your, your vast experience seeing these kind of situations and parents, et cetera, and especially how it relates to Phoenix as well. Another hotbed of this activity, but let me start here. We'll start at the top of the article on paper, Sloan, a buoyant, chatty stay at home mom from Fairfield County, Connecticut seems almost unbelievably well-prepared to shepherd her three daughters through the roiling world of competitive youth sports. She played tennis and ran track in high school and has an advanced degree in behavioral medicine. She wrote her master's thesis on the connection between increased aerobic activity and and attention span. She's also versed in statistics, which comes in handy when she's analyzing her eldest daughter's junior squash rating and whiteboarding the consequences if she doesn't step up her game. She needs at least a 5-0 rating or she's going to Ohio State, Sloan told me. Uh, Skipping ahead a little, their middle daughter a 12-year-old saber fencer, had been stabbed in the jugular during her first bout. She'd been hurt before while fencing, on one occasion gashed so deeply in the thigh that blood seeped through her pants. But this was the first time a blade had jabbed her in the throat. It was a 4th of July massacre. I thought, what are we doing, said Sloan, who asked to be identified by her middle name to protect her daughter's privacy and college recruitment chances. We're torturing our kids ridiculously. They're not succeeding. We're using all our resources and emotional bandwidth for a fool's folly. Yet Sloan found that she didn't know how to make the folly stop. So Ryan, why don't you uh, take it with, from that introduction and, and tell us what you know 
a little overview of this type of parent and uh, athletic environment? Yeah. Uh, all right, Tom. So yeah, I, I spent uh, many, many years in this world, uh, lacrosse uh, specifically, and I had some unique perspectives uh, because I went to a private school for undergrad, but it wasn't really a private school. It was in name it was, but it wasn't like a stuck up private school. So I kind of saw that. And then I saw a real stuck up private school in that situation. And I also worked at some state universities too. So I saw that's a completely different kind of recruitment kind of athlete that you're going for. Um, and so, yeah, I, I definitely got to see a lot of different versions of the, the hover parent, the over uh, excited parent, and then the, just the flat out psycho. Um, the nice thing about these niche sports is because they are so small, there's not a lot of people at those events. So as a college recruiter, it is pretty easy to pick out the psychotic parents. And, you know, if you're not an elite top, top program that only cares about titles, which is like, you know, five to 10 schools in any given sport, those are just not worth it. Like as a division three coach, I'm not going to waste my time with that. Like, I don't need that, you know? Um, so it's, it's crazy. I've seen it. And, uh, but I see the delusions too. And so, you know, the delusions is where it's just really, really tough to like, it's like trying to convince someone to change their vote. You know, it's like trying to get these parents to understand, like these niche sports are not college football. They're not college basketball. College football has 75 scholarships, 75 full rides they have. College basketball has like 12 for 15 players. College lacrosse has 12.6 for a 50-man roster. So like your kid's not going to get a scholarship. And if he does, it's like five grand. Like the scholarship he's getting is like an academic scholarship or some kind of other school scholarship. It's not an athletic sports specific scholarship. They just don't exist in that world. You know, like I don't know what the roster size and like crew or like squash are, but lacrosse specifically is just preposterous that people think their kids are getting full rides. They just, they don't exist. So it's, it's, let me interject there and save, you know, for most of these, it's roughly about 12 people get a scholarship to the Ivy. You know, this is mostly about the Ivy league schools. Well, Ivy leagues have no athletic scholarships whatsoever in any sport. Or yeah. So oh, there's, there's I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. There's, they get admission slots. So, so it's like 12, describe. it's 12 spots they're fighting for on the team. Yeah. Admission spots. Right. So, so let me read the next one because it's really not about the money. There's no more school, a parent from the town of Darien told me flatly. Editor's note from me, Tom, here. Uh, Darien is like Darien, Greenwich, and New Canaan are the three towns that come up over and over, and those are like the three richest towns in all of Connecticut. In, in many, many lacrosse tournaments in those towns. So, so you're talking about like the richest of the rich. Um, there, there's no more school. There's no more church. There's no more friends. We gave it all up for squash. 
She says she is working on a memoir that she intends to self-publish titled Squashed. The Gold Coast of Connecticut pumps more athletic recruits into Ivy schools than any other region in the nation. Backyards feature batting cages, pitching tunnels, fencing, heists, I think, Olympic-sized hockey rings complete with floodlights and generators. Hotly debated zoning board topics include building codes for at-home squash courts and storm drainage plans to mitigate runoff from private ice rinks. So uh, we're talking about the type of family who can just build their own hockey rink in their backyard and keep it frozen all year round. So can you talk about how it's not really about money and how it's sort of, uh, I guess, a status thing? Right. And like I said earlier, it's, it's stickers, right? It's, it's about, can I wear the sweatshirt around all my friends when we go to happy hour? Can I make sure that everyone at Rite Aid sees the Yale sticker, the Dartmouth sticker on my car? Because that makes them a good parent, right? Like, cause you can't be a shit parent if your kid goes to an Ivy League school. You have to be good. So it's all, it's about the parent more than anything. And it's, this article makes that extremely clear considering they don't even talk to the kids. Like in this article, it's all about the parents and they just make it all about themselves. It's uh, it, it's pretty evident in that world. So, so uh, another thing I'll keep reading, but um, one thing they mention here is how um, the parents almost feel like they're oppressed like their kids, you know, because they're rich white suburban kids, they're not getting the like scholarships and opportunities of, you know, poor black kids, I guess, you know, they kind of explicitly, I mean, they don't say it explicitly, but they basically all hate affirmative action for that reason. Well, it's, it's inner in those sports, it's international, not lacrosse, but in like squash and fencing and stuff. Um, it's, it's international students are getting those slots because, those sports are huge. Those are Olympic sports. And so Olympic sports are, are big everywhere else in the world, except for the U S. So like, yeah, those kids are going to be the best squash and the best cricket and the best fencers like in the world, they're all junior Olympic kids. So they deserve those slots as long as they qualify academically, which I'm assuming they all do. All right. I'll, I'll keep reading the next paragraph. There's, um, a guy named Sheridan, who is um, kind of like a coach for these elite kids. Parents need to open their minds, Sheridan said. They're not likely to be as excited about Millersville University or Bloomsburg as Penn or Columbia. I get that. But that's something that these families will have to come to grips with. Sorry, but there's no way in hell, said the water polo mom from Stanford. What parent wants to have a child who's going to be playing for a bottom-tier school with bottom-tier academics in the armpit of the United States? I want to be polite, but there's no way in hell. Yeah, she was not thrilled about her kid going to Kansas. Not, not at all. I get it. I've seen it. I definitely have seen it. So uh, on a related note, uh, determine lacrosse families from New Canaan, Greenwich and Darien. Again, the three probably richest towns in all Connecticut put their heads together to try and address the dearth of college lacrosse spots with a twist on uh, this approach. They were inspired by JetBlue founder and New Canaan resident David Nealman, whose $15 million donation helped establish a Division I lacrosse team at the University of Utah, where his son Seth is a star defender and captain. We've been looking into what is the ticket price to start a men's varsity lacrosse program at Stanford, one parent told me. 
We could create lacrosse at Stanford with 20 million. If we could just find 20 million, we can make this work. So (laughs) their solution to, you know, there's not enough spots for a kid is we will just pay $20 million and start our own program at Stanford. Yeah. So, so this segues into the question I want to ask you, like you talk about, you know, we've all been to, you know, our middle-class sporting events where we see parents yelling at the ref or whatever, but like what, what makes these type of parents, uh, especially more psychotic than your average run of the mill sports parents? Just because they can do anything. It's just like, what's the difference between your run of the mill politician and your one that's got a hundred million in the bank? they can do a lot more damage. They can get a lot more shit done, you know, like that's just, you know, that's their solution, right? Like, like Ted DiBiase said, everything has a price. Everybody has a price. Now the problem with this thing is there's this thing called title nine. And if your college has a football program then your title nine is so far out of whack that adding a men's sport like lacrosse with 50 players is just not realistic. Utah pulled it off, but Utah sucks at lacrosse. Like I coached against Utah for three years in a row. We hammered the shit out of them all three years. Like it's a cool campus. I like the town. I like Salt Lake, but like they were no good. And they're just like, all of a sudden they get all this money and they can hire the right people and they get all the right equipment. And now they're D one and they're going to get, they're going to be decent. Like they're going to be halfway decent, most likely, but like Michigan did the same thing. And Michigan's never been good at lacrosse ever. Like they, every year they always get some blue chip kid and this is the year it sounds like their football program. Like they're, they've never been good at lacrosse and they've had it for like 10 years now. Division one. So like, I don't know. I don't buy it. I don't think it's the right way to go about it. The growth needs to come organically from grassroots interest. You need to have local teams and like, yeah, Palo Alto definitely has really good lacrosse up there. Like there's good NorCal high school lacrosse. So there's a market for it for sure. But they just donate 20 million and expect that your kid's going to get a slot on the team because of that. Like that's entitled bullshit. Yeah. So I'll read it one more passage about, you know, what the parents do. This is kind of the opposite end of the spectrum from paying for the program in small sports. The parents figure out quickly whom their child is competing with for college positions. Instead of letting their child develop, as you said, You have parents trying to compete behind the scenes to the point of trashing other athletes. Morehouse knows of a situation in which a fencer received a likely letter from an Ivy. Shortly thereafter, the university's admissions department began to get letters saying that the athlete was a bad person and had faked competitive results. The fencer's high school guidance department contacted the university to correct the falsehood, and what the department heard back was jarring. They told them, you have nothing to worry about. This actually happens all the time. 100% true. I've seen it myself. Like I've had parents come up to me and trash a player that happens to be ahead of their kid on the depth chart. Oh, by the way, coach, like you didn't hear this from me, but I heard Joe was, was smoking weed in the dorms. 
you know, not, not my position to really say anything, but you know, it's, it's pretty loud chatter that I'm hearing coach, you know, like you get a lot of that stuff. You get emails, you know, I heard that so-and-so Jimmy sat out practice two days in a row, but he still got the start. You know, my son works really hard for two straight days of practice and he doesn't get the chance. That's not fair. If you don't practice, you shouldn't play. Like that is a hundred percent true. Like the going after admission stuff. I haven't seen that as much on the admission side because I didn't spend a lot of time there, but I absolutely see it on the coaching side, like the recruiting side. I'm recruiting a kid from a high school program and another teammate's parent reaches out to me and they're like, why would you recruit Corey? My son has more points than him this season. You should be recruiting him instead. Corey's not a good kid. Like that's a hundred percent true. Not shocked at all by that uh, in the article. They, um, I, I won't read the passage here, but some of the richer families actually had their nannies go out and do opposition research on other kids. I thought that was good. Oh yeah. You got to have those scout reports ready to go. You know, like that's, that's big. From your nanny. You know, like I see it in like lacrosse. There's definitely, I've seen, uh, you know, guys who had one-on-one like individual coaches and like before the game, their coaches up coming up to me like, Oh, by the way, like I've worked with this other team's goalie and he's weak, low left, like make sure you're shooting low left. Like that stuff's a hundred percent. Yeah. Totally. I would like to see the nanny ad for that where it's like, must be good with young children, uh, able to clean the house from time to time. Uh, you know, have to know, you know, which hand to go against the defender. You know, like, well, the parents pay some service to put all that together and they just make, they just give it to the nanny and say, make sure that you review this. Like it's freaking algebra homework. They don't have to know what they're doing. They just have to quiz them. Yeah. So this is, this is one thing I found interesting. Then you you can tell me what you think, but like, these are all, I mean, I can just speak for this Fairfield County and these three towns, especially, but these are all like high profile, you know, lawyers and doctors and finance people, especially. And like, they all want to like, they treat it like a business plan, you know, like the business plan of raising their kid and getting them into the Ivy league. But they're also, they're also like, um, they, you know, they want to outsource all the work too, as they probably do at their companies as well. So they, they yeah. want to delegate. So it's, it's they so funny. They saw so, the kid as a tax write off to begin with. Yeah. They're so, they're like, so committed to the kid's there. success, except for the part where they make the nanny go read over the plays instead of they, them doing it. Um, all right. Uh, so let's, yeah. let's turn it around. And I, I want to hear what you think about like from the kid's perspective, because uh, this is like the sad part of it to me. I mean, the the parents and the nanny stuff, I laugh at all that, especially knowing a lot of these type of people. Um, but the kids, I kind of feel bad. Um, they talk about how these kids just have all like mental health issues. Growing up, they had everything organized for them. Now they don't know how to take initiative. Another topic raised by the coaches, the latest NCAA survey documenting binge drinking, marijuana use, and other drug abuse. The lacrosse rates are currently off the chart. This is how our students are choosing to cope with physical and mental strain. Uh, and then um, yeah. let, me, let me scroll down because this one's really good or, you know, really bad. We've re- rehabilitated high level rowers who couldn't walk because of back problems. Again, talking about high schoolers, we see herniated discs, soft tissue overuse, overuse patterns and hip flexors and lower back. 
These kids are hurting. Meanwhile, the parents have this crazy beady eyed look. They're not even really listening to me. The dad will say, well, we have to get her back on the rowing machine. We need to shave three seconds off her erg time or Georgetown doesn't want her. Yeah. I mean, that's, so, so talk about, you know, the kids and what you see with the kids. Yeah. I mean, the article's dead on. It's a hundred percent true. Like the burnout rate gets high. The drug and alcohol abuse gets high. Um, because especially nowadays, weed is legal in a lot of states. So that's going to be a big factor. And also from back when, you know, we were in college, the opioid issue is, is finally recognized where, you know, when I played and and back in those days, that's just what they did. Like that shit was like handing out Skittles. Like, yeah. Like varsity blues wasn't, wasn't a satire. No pain pills, muscle relaxers, cortisone injections. Like I got all of that. And like, I played division two. So like, you know, I can imagine what, what the high level athletes are doing. It's, you know, some of these other sports, especially these Olympic kids that are trying to, not only are they trying to get college slots, but they have to go to the right college that gets them the right opportunity to get the right Olympic trial. Right. Like they can't go to like Stanford if they're all their connects with the Olympic is like in Connecticut. Like I have to go to Yale. Like that's because that's where my connection is to make the Olympics. So like for those sports, it's pretty crazy too. Like, because it's not just college, it's college and potentially Olympics, you know, fencing and all that too. So it's, it's crazy. And these kids just, you know, Todd Marinovich was not a one-off, you know, for any younger listeners, go watch the 30 for 30 because you all have streaming platforms, go to ESPN plus and watch the 30 for 30 on that. Like that shit's not a one-off that shit's normal. That's like the regular for some of these sports and some of these areas, especially where you are, Tom, like that's a hundred percent accurate and like exactly what's going on right now. I highlighted this one line, which I thought was a nice summation of how it's kind of counterproductive. And then I'll let you have the last word, but I thought this was a really good, like this wasn't the last line, but it could have been a nice closing line. Like a peacock rendered nearly flightless by gaudy tail feathers. The overserved athlete is the product of a process that has become maladaptive and is now harming the very blue chip demographic. It was supposed to help. So is it counterproductive? Like what, what would be a better way to do this? I mean, a better way. I think the right away, the the first thing, the easy fix is just take football out of the equation for title nine purposes. Like if you take football out of the equation, that opens up the opportunity to add eight to 10 sports at every college. And then there's going to be more of these opportunities and it's not going to get so freaking competitive because, you know, yeah, there are still going to be psycho parents who Ivy or bust, but like, you know, there's going to also be parents who are like, you know what? UCLA is totally fine. Cal Berkeley. Great. University of Virginia, freaking gorgeous. Like Vanderbilt. Great. I'll go on the fencing team at Vandy. Pepperdine. Yeah, Pepperdine. I'll go row crew at Pepperdine. That's got to be amazing. 
you know, but like it just opens up more opportunities for those sports, um, you know, which again, it's going to open up more opportunities for kids who would never have a chance in these sports. You know, they talked about in the article um, having like the urban squash in the Bronx and like, it doesn't matter how hard those kids work because they're only going to get so many opportunities. Like they can't pay $9,000 to fly cross country to play in this big tournament where all the scouts are like, they just got to get seen and they're going to get seen. It might not be, you know, Yale, but it might be like Fairfield. It's a nice school. You know, like you might not get into Cornell, but you might get into Colgate. That's damn impressive. You know, like, so I think that's the number one thing. Like, I don't think you can fix the NCAA until you take college football out of the equation uh, in Title IX terms. Interesting. Yeah, you you mentioned, you know, I skipped over that part, but, you know, the like inner city squash leagues and, you know, they're trying to get more diversity in these uh, sports. And, you know, what's obvious, what we all could have said is like, these kids could be just as good. I'm sure they have the innate talent, but they just don't have the money or the opportunity. But I also kind of felt the opposite way that like in a weird way, you can't blame all these rich parents for like being a little psycho and for building their own like hockey rings and stuff. Like, you know, I just bought my kids a like swing set that probably costs like a thousand bucks, but a thousand bucks to me is probably the equivalent of like one of these Greenwich people building an ice hockey rink. You know what I mean? To them, it's just like, well, I got the money. Like this is just the thing you do, you know? So I, I kind of think like, if we had all this money, we might be psycho too. I don't know. I, I, I no. Like, <laughs> you see, it's different because even though our school was an unbelievable athletic school, it was still a public school and our athletes were still normal sized athletes. And like, you know, so you didn't really see how crazy it can get. Like, no, like, no. What, Tom, what, like, what are, what are we, you, what are we missing as like public school attendees? Just the, the, the competitiveness of the parents, you don't see it nearly as much in, in the public schools because, you know, it's best person who gets the job. And, and honestly, because coach was the mayor and, his word was better than anybody's. And if he said the kid was good, he was good. If he wasn't, he wasn't like, it was a little different for us because nobody ever would dare question his judgment, but I've seen it as a coach from the other side a lot. And it's, it's infuriating to see. It's sad to see these kids like from going and seeing him at the college level and even seeing like some of these kids after college you know, and they try to like hit me up on social media and they're like, you know, Hey coach, how's it going? Blah, blah. And I'm like, man, like they were not prepared for this world whatsoever by their parents. And, uh, they're just expected, like they just expect things to be given to them because it always was. And so like, yeah, you see this big time, like, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't be that parent, Tom, please. Like if anything, like just golf, like get your kids into golf. That's a, that's a really good one. There's a lot of golf out there. I, I am very glad that, you know, I played so many sports when I was, you know, a kid and then slowly fell out of, you know, them one by one. But 
I'm really glad that um, I did golf and skiing also because those are the ones that don't really have like a shelf life. You can basically play golf till you're like 90 years old and you can ski maybe not quite as long, but those are the really, you know, when you think of what a short lifespan it is, unless you're just an amazing athlete, I feel like golf and skiing are the way to go. Like they last a lifetime. All right. Uh, anything you want to add? No. All right. Uh, thank you everyone for listening to the take the points podcast. We'll be back again next week. Take the point, 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 take the point.